The Secret Life of Walter Mott, written by Cal Wagenheim, published by All Things That Matter Press, narrated by Roy Wells. Available from Audible.com, iTunes, and Amazon.com. Walter emerged on the street floor from the dank service elevator, which smelled of discarded coffee containers, stale pastry, and envelope glue, and glanced up at the four-sided clock that hung from the lobby ceiling. It was 8.10. He slipped through a side exit and winced at the din of downtown traffic and the chilly March breeze. Seized by an urge to retreat, he looked back at the building where, above the door, buffed brass letters on a dull, vertigous background proclaimed, Security Insurance Company. On a second smaller line it read, Serving the Public Since 1883. Below the plaque, a square yellow and black sign proclaimed reassuringly, Fallout Shelter. Walter hesitated, then plunged into the swift current of pedestrians, weaving his way through the throng on Halsey Street, inching toward the corner coffee shop. At 8.25 he came back around the corner like one of a hundred corks bobbing in a swollen brook. He bypassed the side entrance, turned another corner, and pushed his way through one of the revolving doors at the main entrance. He strode down the marble corridor toward the waiting phalanx of elevators, umbrella suspended from his right forearm, the times trapped between his right bicep and his rib cage, and, in his left hand, a brown paper bag that cradled a buttered toasted bran muffin and a container of chock-full-of-nuts coffee, dark, one sugar. There were fourteen elevators in the main lobby, one for each floor in the Security Insurance Company building, which occupied much of the city block. During the morning and evening rush period, each car was assigned to a single floor and sped the company's employees non-stop to their offices. Walter entered car 13 and soared skyward with 11 other members of the agency records file department. Any more was unlawful and dangerous, amidst the usual exchange of nods, yawns, grunts, and rustling of newspaper pages, and a few cheerful smiles of a subversive nature. It was 8.28 when Walter pushed through the door marked ARF. The Muzak system on full blast roared a blood-tingling Sousa march to usher in the day's labors. The seventy desks, deserted just a half hour before, were filling quickly with clerks. At 8.29, Walter hung his umbrella and trench coat on the mahogany rack, rested his times upon the in-tray, removed the lid from his coffee, unwrapped his crumbling bran muffin, and prepared to gulp breakfast while his eyes darted about the office. Where the hell, he wondered, is that damn missing sock? Part 2 The bell rang a minute later, and Wilma Tannenbaum, Walter's secretary, came in with the morning mail, and since it was Friday, his weekly paycheck. Morning, Walter, she chirped. Here's the mail, and here's your check, TGIF. Morning, Wilma, you can say that again. TGIF. 
Do you have any time cards for the MAD night shift? Yep, here they are. She plopped the stack of cards on his desk. Say, she said, leaning close to him, your eyes look like you've been getting too much bed and no sleep. No, he said, blushing a bit. I think I'm coming down with a little cold. Well, you take good care of yourself, precious. Would you like me to get you some tea and lemon? No, 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 thanks, Wilma. I'll be all right. Okay, but you better take it easy with weekend coming up. You bachelors running around till all hours. She winked and smiled. Mesmerized, he watched her heaving derriere float out the door. Had the bed been open, she'd be tramping right across the mattress where only an hour ago they were co-stars in an X-rated dream.